a good day to you. You're listening to Jenny Knipp for Author. You may be relaxing with a cup of tea or coffee, traveling, crafting, working, or exercising. Whatever the case may be, I'm so glad you chose to spend your time with me. for joining me. This is Jenny Knipfer with Jenny Knipfer Author Podcast. And today I want to read to you from my upcoming historical fiction book, um, inspirational historical fiction book, um, Harvest Moon, which will be released later this month. In this segment, I'm going to be reading from one of the main characters' perspectives, Mangikwe. Um, I'll read a portion and then uh, the next portion will be about 10 year- years later, but you get a little taste of what is very important to her and um, natural medicine and natural healing is something that she's been taught and skilled at. So I'm going to read this segment um, which takes place in 18, around 1853. Meng- Mengikwe had not seen anyone as ill as Giba since her father and brothers had suffered with the measles. Sweat rolled down the side of her aunt's swollen face. Mengikwe could only guess at what had what had her in its grip, and pray she'd been given divine direction about what to use. Wigwas mopped Giba's brow with cool cool water. She's so sick. Silent tears rolled down her cheeks as she worked. We, Mangikwe, heard a prayer rise up in her heart. Gitchimanadu, help me by the power of your spirit. Guide me to the healing plants to use. Heal Giba so she may be a mother to my son. She touched the crucifix round her neck with one hand, holding her aunt's hand in her other. Her eyes drifted to Nimoin, playing with a bunch of little sticks on the far side of the wigwam. He looks like a paler version of me, she thought. She took account of his features. The structured planes of his face actually reminded her of his father, except for the child's chin. His chin reflected hers, pointed and stubborn. Wigwas woke Mangikwe up from her prayers and reflection. What did you give her? she asked. Willow to bring her fever down, Angelica to restore the body's balance. She thought a minute and suddenly inspiration hit her. Something Winetta had told her about poisons and possible cures. I'll mix the willow tea with some charcoal from the fire. Are you sure? Wigwas asked. The wrinkles deepened around her eyes. The shadow of the dim interior of the wigwam made her eye sockets appear shrunken. The charcoal will pull out the poisons out of her life's blood, Mangikwe said. Wigwas nodded and deferred to Mangikwe's medical knowledge. Should we give this to everyone who is sick? Mangikwe shook her head. No, we give the burnt wood only to Kippa. Wigwas helped Mangikwe prepare the mashgiki medicine. Mangikwe sang a song for healing Ignatio had taught her. Holy Father, have mercy upon us, for we are weak and poor. Holy Father, have mercy upon us, and heal our broken bones. Holy Father, have mercy upon us, lift our eyes to yours, that we may see your grace. Holy Father, have mercy upon us. Mangikwe's voice rang like a light bell. 
The prayer flowed from her lips gracefully. Wigwas dried her eyes. Beautiful, Nindanis, beautiful. She raised fresh eyes towards Mangigwes. You believe this father to be Gichimanadu, we? We, Mama, I do. Ignatio taught me much of the word of God in this black book. You are a wonder, Nindanis, Wigwas praised her daughter. I am what he has made me to be, Mangigwe acknowledged. She smiled, finished tending to her aunt. She lay down to rest. Nimoen lay not far from her on his mat. His hair stuck up on one side of his head, reminding her of his father. She reached out tentatively and stroked his cheek. He stirred underneath her touch, but didn't open his eyes. She tried to etch each curve and valley of his face into her memory. It would be all she would ever have of him, memories. She closed her eyes, desiring sleep to come, but it slunk in the shadows out of her reach. Mangigwe daydreamed instead of a life with a, daydreamed instead of a life with Ignacio and Nimoen. However, when she put her two loves together, they did not stay, but acted as if opposing magnetic forces. The only dream which stuck with her had had uh, Nimoen's father at his heart. Excuse me, I'm just gonna interject a comment here, but I don't want to say his name because that'll give the story away. So the only dream she had, which stuck with her, had Nimoen's father at his, at its heart. He kept appearing to her in her thoughts like he had at the docks not long ago. She couldn't account for how her idea of him had changed. Somehow he had gone from abuser in her mind to something else, but what name to label him she didn't know. Finally, Mangikwe could feel her body relaxing, and she let sleep take her to a world where anything was possible. So that's a little bit of taste of, of Mangikwe, and um, you can tell from the story that she has a son, but the son doesn't know who she is yet, and um, her aunt has taken um, care of her son. Um, Mangikwe moved away from um, the area where she grew up, and she moved to a different town with her mother and father. And she's gone back to this place because there's there was a measles outbreak and many people were sick and she was hoping to, um, you know, bring them some healing and comfort by going back because of her medical knowledge. And indeed she did. But there she sees her son, who she hasn't seen since he was a baby. And it stirs quite a few feelings in her. Now, this next portion I'm going to read is 10 years later. I'm just going to take a quick drink here. Around 1877. And something has happened <laughs> between uh, Mangikwe uh, and her sister. And um, quite a few years has passed. And her sister Celeste has grown up and married and has had several miscarriages. And now she has had a child. Um, but there will be some consequences of that. Let me begin. Where have you been? Jean-Pierre questioned Mangigwe. His voice sounded as sharp as the scrape of flint on flint. His hazel eyes darkened to a brackish green. I go to Minong, like I tell you. Mangigwe was taken back by her brother-in-law's accusing tone. She had told him days ago how she planned to go to the island. 
with the traveling band of the Makwa tribe who had come through town. In the spring, salmon could be found by Mainang shore, and in the summer, blueberries populated the interior. In the fall, she went to harvest mashkiki. Juanetta had taught her that the roots of some medicinal plants were better after a hard freeze had touched them. She knew the wild parsnip grew plentiful in one spot on the west side of the island. You should have been here, he gripped the back of a dining chair, white knuckles shining under the lit candelabra centered above the table. Magigbe set her basket down on the table and unwrapped her shawl. A terrible sense of dread began to dawn on her. Celeste, where is Celeste? Jean-Pierre pinned her with his intense stare and pointed towards the bedroom. Mangikwe heard a tiny cry from the same direction and wasted no time in hurrying, hurrying into the room. Celeste, her skin pale as a snowdrop, cradled a swaddled babe excuse me, in her arms. The pink crocheted blanket she had made was wrapped snugly around the small bundle. Celeste's lips angled back ever so slightly in a slow, tired smile. Sister, our little Janae did not wait for your return. I see. Mangigwe sat on the edge of the bed and leaned in to see the baby. Dark, fine hair framed a petite, oval, tanned face. A tiny hand flailed out of the blanket. Mangigwe calmed her and caught her hand with a slim finger. The baby's little digits curled around Mangigwe's extended pointer. Her niece's perfect little face brought a joy to Mangigwe which she couldn't quite name. It was perhaps a joy of recognition, as if she could see a similar soul to her own in a child. Mangekwe turned her gaze on Celeste, and concern ro- rose in her, making her head start to ache. She rested the back of her hand on Celeste's forehead, warm, too warm. Who tended to you? she asked. Just Jean-Pierre and me. We had no time to fetch anyone. Celeste stroked her daughter's cheek. We managed, but I'm tired. She stifled a yawn. You did as I told you? Celeste's white face, body temperature, and fatigue frightened Mangigwe. Something is not right. We, we did our best. Celeste leaned her head back. I'm so tired. Her eyes held Mangigwe's. You must promise me. The gaze stretched strong and steady between the sisters. Promise you will care for Janae. Celeste said it in a matter-of-fact fashion, as if she wouldn't be there to do the job herself. We? Mangigwe placed a kiss on Celeste's forehead. She reached out and took her niece as Celeste's eyes fluttered close. Soon, a soft snore began to issue from her sister's parted lips. Mangigwe carried the baby out to the living space. John crouched on one knee, stoking the fire in the fireplace. She wanted to know how the birth went, but she felt strange asking John about it. He saved her the trouble. It happened so fast, and there was so much blood. His voice had calmed. He turned from the fire, a broken, haggard look on his drawn face. His exhaustion almost matched Celeste's in, in appearance. I, I didn't know what to do. His voice caught, and he turned his back on her, staring into the low flames once more. Celeste is not well, is she? When she wakes, I will tend to her and give her willow bark tea. Megikwe wanted to reassure John that Celeste would be fine. But the words wouldn't come out, maybe because she knew deep in her heart that her sister wouldn't recover. 
She thought back to the times in the last year when her spirit had fluttered and whispered to her of things to come, words, impressions, and dreams, which she tried to ignore but now no longer could. Instead of being cut by the pain of that revelation, peace settled within her chest. Everyone had a time to pass on to Gijid Manadu, and this apparently was Celeste's time. Suddenly, a deep, crushing weight sunk her spirit as Mangigwe realized with Celeste's passing, her family would be gone. But no, that is not true. She had Janae now. She would raise her as a daughter in the way she never had with her son. She held Janae tighter and walked towards Jean-Pierre. You go to her, John. She placed a gentle hand on his shoulder. He nodded solemnly and moved with lead feet towards the bedroom. He paused at the door. I'm sorry, he almost whispered. Mangikwe understood. She had already forgiven him for his outburst. His grief had turned to anger. Maybe if she had been there, Celeste wouldn't be ill now, but maybe not. I'm sorry, too. Why had she gone out hunting for Mushkiki when Celeste's delivery time had been so close? Perhaps she should have stayed. But the past did not change, no matter how much you might wish it to. Mangigwe sat in the rocking chair with Janae near the fire. She'd honor Celeste's promise and care for Janae as her own. But what about Edmund? The question crashed into her vow. She'd made a promise to him. How can I break that? But in her mind, the promise to Celeste superseded the promise she'd made to another. She prayed he would understand. So again, at the heart of the <laughs> plot of this novel, even though it is firmly about uh, Mangikwe and her son Nimowen, um, this tie with her sister Celeste is so strong. And this vow, this bond she makes, this promise to help you know, raise Janae um, supersedes, like I said, all other things uh, in a manner of speaking that um, Mangikwe desires. Uh, so <laughs> um, I hope you enjoyed this excerpt and um, this will be available shortly at the end of November, um, November 23rd. It comes out 2020 and it's the fourth book in the By the Light of the Moon series, but it really acts as a prequel to Ruby Moon, which is the first book, so um, there's no problem with reading it first or anything like that, as it happens many years before Ruby Moon starts. So thank you so much for listening. You can purchase that on Amazon. It'll be $2.99 for the ebook and free on Kindle Unlimited, and about $12.90 something for the paperback. Thanks so much. Welcome to the review portion of Jenny Kniffer Author Podcast. This is where I give reviews of books that I've read um, by independent authors or otherwise that I've loved or not loved. Hi, I just wanted to offer you a little bit about some books that I featured this month on my blog. Um, there are two historical fiction books. The first one is called A Feigned Madness by Tanya Mitchell. And I'll just read my review for you so you can get a taste of uh, what it's about. In the late 1880s, determined Elizabeth Cochran fights for a job with the top newspaper, The New York World. But little does she know the depths she will end up plunging, plunging into. 
Her unusual friendship with another reporter, George McCain, drifts into mysterious territory and Elizabeth senses herself submitting to his handsome face and romantic charms. McCain speaks his regard for Elizabeth through the language of flowers. However, an impediment discloses itself between their budding feelings for one another. Writing under the assumed name of Nellie Bly and as a ploy to gain readers for the world with a sensational article, Elizabeth decides to take a brave step and dive into the realm of the insane, feigning madness to gain entry into the infamous asylum at, on Blackwell Island in New York. Her objective, to reveal the inner works of the asylum and uncover the truth of those labeled as insane, the castaways of society. Appalled at the harsh conditions, unhealthy and unsanitary environment, and treatment of the women at the asylum, Elizabeth takes note. Eventually, she can't stand by while the women she's come to know and befriend are treated with such brutality. But will Elizabeth survive the consequences of her actions and endure the lodge, as the nursing staff call a special region of the asylum designated for those whom they deem as buckers of the highly regulated regiments and rules of the di dictator-like governing of the institution? Can she survive the chair, the ultimate punishment? If she does, will it land her the hard-won journalism job she's gambled her life on? In the end, will George and Elizabeth move past societal conventions to, societal conventions to claim what their hearts tell them? Find out in this well-written, highly engaging historical fiction drama based upon the lives of real people. This novel has everything I enjoy in my favorite genre. I had a hard time putting it down, and if you're a lover of suspenseful historical fiction, I guarantee that you won't be able to either. I give a faint madness 5 out of 5 stars. Um, I do want to mention a note that the novel does contain some graphic scenes of physical abuse for those readers who are sensitive to that. Um, I really enjoyed um, featuring Tanya on my blog. I think that was uh, the 4th of November. But if you go to my blog at jennyknipfer.com slash blog, you'll scroll down a few posts back and be able to find it. Um, I usually like to post um, about books on the on every Wednesday of the month. Sometimes with the Coffee Pot Book Club I'm a part of, that is not doesn't quite line up on that uh, same day as reviews. But most of the time it does. So this next book I featured um, just had a connection with this gal on Instagram and I look, her book looked really great from the cover so I thought well we'll see if you know I can read it and review it for her. So the title is called Broken Lines. It's a part of a series um, by Kelsey Geidel. I'm not sure I'm saying her last name right so forgive me Kelsey if I pronounced it wrong. Um, it's a series of three, and I think this is the middle title, if I'm if I'm correct. I haven't read the others, but this made perfect sense just reading it alone. Um, but I would like to read the others if this was really good. Let me just take a quick drink. I'll read my review for review fewer. Oh goodness, excuse me. I'll read my review for you. The start of the Great War looms. German-born Amara Mueller sets her mind to stay safe in America, separated from her family in Germany, serving on opposing sides. Amara takes her brother's suggestion to heart and works to secure a husband, but will heart 
But will her heart lead her astray and into the arms of a man who's less than suitable? Imokich in Oxymoron, being a morality officer by day and a wastrel at night, can't hide the fact that underneath he's a caring man. Amara and Imol become entangled, but it's anyone's guess as to where their hearts will end up. Will Amara rise above her past abuse at the hands of her prior fiancé? Will Emil, 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 I'm not sure how to say his name either, see through the facade of a close friend who works to keep Amara and Emil apart? Most important of all, will, will the would-be lovers be able to break through their lines of allegiance to form a new bond? Readers of historical fiction and historical romance will savor this wartime romance told with flair. Gidel excels at writing romantic banter between the characters. The story of Amara and Emil pulls the reader in and keeps them turning the page to find out what happens next. The story flows easily through the well-wrought opening tale of a wartime saga. And I give it five stars. I really thought it was well done. Enjoyed the story. And like I said, her her dialogue between the two romantic characters uh, was really well done. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, so you can see more details about Kelsey on my blog. Um, I posted about that a few weeks ago. And, um, and I'll be sharing more about what I'm currently reading uh, uh, or reviewing in, in a little while. Um, but so far, um, I, re I read um, a couple books that I have yet to talk about on my blog, so I don't want to um, reveal the review yet, but that'll be uh, Relentless Joy is the title, and that one's by Jennifer Carey, another gal I connected with on Instagram, who's an independent author. And this is a part of a series too, but I really enjoyed it, just stand alone, and I'm excited to um, talk about that with um, those who follow my blog and listen to me here on Author Jenny Kniff for Author Podcasts. And then I also read another book called Lost in Los Alamos by Daniel Klein. He found me on Twitter somehow, and he's a Wisconsinite, and but he now lives in Bangkok uh, with his wife. <clears throat> and anyway, he's he's written this book, um, and I he wanted me to see, he wanted to see if I would be a beta reader for him, and I have. Um, he does have the book on Goodreads already, but it's not available on Amazon yet for purchase. Um, I'm not sure what his timeline is for publication, but. I enjoyed it. It was different, and um, I look forward to telling you about that book. So thank you so much for listening to my reviews. Um, you can read them um, every Wednesday on my blog at jennyknipfer.com slash blog. Thank you. Jenny, signing off at Jenny Kniff for Author Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. I hope something I've said has resonated with you and encouraged or blessed you on your particular path. Remember, despite your circumstances, you can choose to make it a beautiful day. Mm -hmm.